Listeners everywhere, welcome to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan, the weekly fix for your screen addiction and a trusted source for discussion of all things film and television. Please keep in mind that for the purposes of this podcast, Joel and Ryan are not acting as journalists, but rather fellow moving picture enthusiasts. All of their opinions should be taken as such. Also, please be warned that while Joel and Ryan may seem like petulant children, they are, in fact, adults who may occasionally use adult language. While they promise to keep out all the worst words, it's a good bet you will still understand what they were saying. And now, with no further ado, here's Joel and Ryan. Everybody, uh, welcome, welcome once again to the movie show with Joel and Ryan. I am Joel, and I'm Ryan, and we're really thrilled to have you uh, back on uh, on spring. It is spring. Spring has officially sprung, and uh, the pollen is uh, all up in uh, Ryan and I's faces. So this is a pollen-filled episode of the movie show with Joel and Ryan. Hopefully it's strange they, how you can't even escape the pollen just by staying locked up in your apartment. That's true. That's true. Um, it, it still sort of affects you. That's mm-hmm. that's annoying. Yep. Uh, so I apologize ahead of time for any sneezes. Um, if anything, it will prove once again that Ryan and I are real flesh and blood people and not the automatons that many think that we are. Yeah um yes uh so yeah so welcome we have um so we have a fun little show it is just ryan and i once again uh this week we have um next week to tease a little bit of next week we have a a a fun show ahead of us where we'll um we're going international uh on the movie show with joel and ryan um talking about some australian uh australian films that should be super fun um, with an Australian uh, film insider in tow, yep. plus our good buddy Michael. I don't think it's a spoiler alert to say that. If we're going to yep. tease it, let's tee people up to come see it. It's worth an episode we've been looking forward to a while, but Michael. That's true. And I'll get to use this background again. Boom. Nice. And uh, yeah, and then, oh, Michael had to go do a movie or whatever. Yeah. So, but no, for now shows you where his priorities are. Yeah. We take, we take Michael away and it's just Ryan and I, yep. um, we are, you know, so we're going to, it's just, uh, going to be a fun little show this week. Um, we are mostly sort of focused on focused on next week and we're, you know, like, okay, let's, uh, what are we going to do for the show this week? Well, let's just do some fun little stuff. Yeah. Let's and, throw some uh, stuff in there and see what happens. So hopefully yeah. that ends up being fun. Yeah. So, um, so yes, I mean, like we like we do with most shows, uh, I get to ask Ryan, um, what sort of stuff have you been watching this week? Uh, what sort of lun, uh, fun, light, uh, <laughs> happy little movies have you been watching this week, Ryan? Uh, I was inspired by something that I read <laughs> on, um, <laughs> on the internet someplace or something. I can't remember what, but... Uh... I revisited a couple of films, one of which we've mentioned on here before and one of which we haven't. There's a a filmmaker. He used to be an actor. He was on a TV show and stuff. He's in Twister. He's in Eyes Wide Shut, Todd Field. Mm -hmm. I think you may not know him by name, but I think you might recognize him as an actor if you saw him. He, like a lot of actors, he sort of branched out to do a... um, 
you know, to shoot a movie, any like a lot of uh, people shooting a small budget movie, kind of shot it in his hometown and at his own cabin, and you know what I mean, like mm-hmm. used all this stuff that he knew really, really well. And but he but it was a good script that went around Hollywood that got the attention of some really talented people. Um, and it's a film called In the In the Bedroom, which I remember it from 2001 I saw it much later almost 10 years later almost for the first time because yeah, I, I remember the ads for it were just like Tom Wilkinson and Sissy's basic screaming at each other yeah and it looked yeah. like some sort of pretentious you know family drama it just didn't look like anything that would be remotely interesting to me and um which I don't know I guess I like small remote family dramas, but something about that advertising that, uh, the Weinsteins put out there, it just was terrible. It was selling a movie that, um, was, it felt like it was just going to be unpleasant. Yeah, like that's soap what opera I remember dramatics. About. That's what I, well, that's what I remember about it. And then, um, and then come award season, all the clips that were being shown because it was up for, especially a couple of the acting categories. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was like, Oh, this sounds like no fun at all. Well, it is uh, no fun. To be it, fair, it, I mean, it, but I mean, in term, yes, you're right. It is no fun. It is a, <laughs> it is a amazing. It is a really fantastic piece. Yeah, of that's exactly right. It's a, it's a movie that <clears throat> sneaks up on you in this incredible kind of way. Especially if you go into it thinking it's going to be what I thought it was going to be. Um, but it just in general, you don't see. I mean, we. They, there's all kinds of people making all kinds of, of subtle, modest films out there. We talked about Loose a couple of weeks ago. I think that qualifies. They're, they're you know, they're the, these films that, that are simple, have a sort of simple kernel of an idea that nonetheless, however they're executed, sort of get under your skin. And this mm-hmm. is, In the Bedroom is definitely one of them. We can't really talk about it without spoiling it. All I can say is that it is a rough go. It really, really does challenge you and and make you feel uneasy but in such a great way you know in in a way that's compelling and that's deeply human um i already said tom wilkinson and sissy spacek tom wilkinson's new england accent is is stunning even the people from new england were like they can't believe he's no outborn and raised there it's so authentic and incredible so we tease people for their accents sometimes um, he really, really nailed that one. And then on a different level of storytelling, there's uh, Marissa Tomei, who's just amazing in it, and uh, Nick Stahl, uh, and I want to, and uh, Tom Cruise's cousin. What's his name? Yeah, William William Mapother. William Mapother. Who's also, I think, a, a, I don't know how great an actor William Mapother is, but he he's a surprising guy. He, he does interesting things. He he's, does interesting things. He, he really does. does. <laughs> if you don't know William Mapother uh, off the, you know, just off of the name, uh, you probably saw him in Lost. He's but he is he's very memorable in Lost. He, yeah, yeah. He's in. Uh, he's just always pops up in things. He's a just a really terrific character actor. That, Usually a, a more of a bit player, but every once in a while he gets a role like this where he gets something mm-hmm. to bite off and chew and and, and there's it, he's got he's got a like a really punchable face. Yeah. Um, no so it's like yeah, you immediately look at him and you're like, I don't like that dude. I don't like him. 
And, you know, he probably is a great guy in real life, but he, he really, he brings a certain, um, he almost certainly energy, is a great yeah. guy in real life because the way people talk That's about true. him and deal yeah, with you, him you, and the way directors use him again and again yeah, and again you don't, and Yeah, again. you don't get to – you don't work that often if you're not a good person. Yeah, yeah you're not I, a good guy. Right. Uh, but yeah, he – I mean he really does. He he brings a certain untrustworthiness to to the roles that he plays. I, I you know, I, I remember that from – from yeah. Lost, you watch. You're, you're watching him, and you're like, "Nope, there's something about that dude. <laughs> something about that guy. You know, he's going to come back to you know." Stab and and even in his turns as trustworthy, emotionally rich characters, they, that that you're that you not wanting to fully buy into him is yep. is becomes an exercise in you getting to know somebody then that you admire in a surprising way. So, yep. So he's hardly the star of this film, but he, he he's worth mentioning because all those qualities come to bear here. And it's 2001. It's the first time in a feature film where he does some pretty heavy hitters suddenly he's surrounded mm-hmm. by. And he's not just, you know, he's not just thug number two or right. airplane terrorist number four. Or or all those weird roles that, that Tom he's, was throwing a bone to. Yeah, you know. exactly. He's, um, he's really, really good. He's, he's yeah. it's an important, really important role. And he really does well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously Wilkinson and Spacek are world-class. So, and, uh, and it's fun to see Nick Stahl. He, he kind of plays lots of, he, he's very broad, these days and doesn't get some of the best parts, but mm-hmm. he was first seen in Mel Gibson's uh, man without a face, which he sort of carries that movie himself. And yeah, he was in Terminator three and some other things. He's pretty, gives a pretty subtle, mm-hmm. believable performance in that too. My least favorite Terminator movie, but Nick, Nick's an actor that could have been good if Hollywood or audiences would have embraced him a little bit more. Right. Uh, it's he just he feels a little like uh, he's also very he's like a lot these list of guys that are able to just be a total psychotic on screen and that's because he can do that he gets cast that way a lot these days. But I like I generally yeah. like him so, and Marissa and Tomei also. It's, we shouldn't leave without since yeah, we're going this through was, this ensemble. From what I remember, I'm quick flipping through her her filmography here. This was this was like the you know you had you know she won the academy award for my cousin Vinny, which you know comedic part and everything but now you know the, this was kind of the start of you need to take you know of her doing some more serious turns more uh you know expanding it's, her yeah it's surprising she's just it, it, it isn't if i think if you watch this now if you've never seen it at the time though it was a surprising turn by her because it just really not yeah. It's not to type, really, which no, you definitely right. had one for a, a while there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, and again, credit to Todd Field, Todd Fields for. Uh, well, uh, just for, envisioning for all people... those people in this mm-hmm. way. The film's full of interesting metaphor and poetry. It's I don't want to sell it as some hoity-toity pretentious film because it's really just a based sort of small town thriller really it's a family it's a family drama really i mean it's a it's 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 mixed it's it has elements of a real suspense movie with real sure yeah you know it's so it's a little bit of both hard watch it's it's a it is a hard watch because it's you know it's there's a lot of um difficult emotions that 
that the movie brings you you know bring brings along we we're, we're trying to not spoil it i mean in no case but it it it, 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 it some... isn't a crowd pleasing movie that yeah. that is what it comes down to i don't know mm-hmm. you know people can take different levels of stuff but it it's it really does poke and prod at you and 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 it tries to to keep you off your guard emotionally and it does just a brilliant job of that yeah yeah and and his second film and he's only made two the in the bedroom in 2001 and and this film in 2006 which we mentioned back in our 2006 loveathon if you go back yeah oh, maybe that's don't right. go yeah, back and yeah. listen to that i don't know or nah, maybe do it's up to you but well, everyone should want to listen to our show multiple times. That was I'm where just we just saying. listed all the movies of 2006. Because it was a bonkers year, yeah. Basically gave a thumbs up, thumbs down to them real quick and just flew through them. But with the intention that we would evaluate, re- come back and reevaluate. And this is a chance to do that because we're not going to do top five Todd Fields films because there's only yeah. two. He's got another one he's working on that's in development, but I, he's all had a different one all these years he'd been working on too that was in development that got scrapped. So he doesn't make movies for mm-hmm. streaming services and stuff. Like he's a bit of a man out of time now. He was in the early two aughts, you know, but he truly is now, in my opinion. So we'll see. Uh, but his second movie was uh, Little Little Children, which. In Another a, hilarious romp. In a really stacked year of fantastic movies, it's right up there at the top with the best of them. It's really, really, really strong mm-hmm. movie. It's based on a, a novel I think that I might find intolerable because it's really this it's examination of these little emotional crises that all these middle-aged uh, suburban couples are having basically, which to me is, is a novel I wouldn't touch with a ten foot pole. <laughs> just I just wouldn't. I mean, I just, that idea is like eh, whatever, yep. you know. I um, but that because I, I think typically we don't get to do a project like that without really being judgmental about people mm-hmm. i think every chance to do some suburban you know domestic d- drama slash uh suspense film is is like we just we just judge people look at the people in suburbia or you aren't you and me we're just as bad as anybody or they're just they're, they're always weighted down with some sort of something some sort of statement that it's trying to make which i always find really pedantic and terrible but this film it was it kind of it has that actually so it doesn't set itself apart completely but at the same time it's very much like in the bedroom where it's it's moves throughout the narrative are are different and they don't they they're they I don't know if, how they surprise you. In the bedroom's got a couple of big surprises in it. Yeah. This film doesn't so much as much as it just travels this unexpected path, which is really keeps you sort of engaged because you don't, you're not sure what you're looking at. Right. And I don't know that you're a lot more certain when it's over, honestly. Um, yeah. And people are it, scared is really what it is yeah. and, well, and they act really... they act that out in the worst ways sometimes right 
Right. It's it's that it's that what you know what happens when when you are really un when you feel empty and unfulfilled, but you know it's like is there a way out of that feeling or you know what what is that you know and how how do you how do you rediscover being alive yeah. in you know in in that sort of uh, when you're feeling just the like the banality of day-to-day stuff uh in lesser you know i think in lesser hands you know todd field included but uh in you know some of these the, the performances especially kate winslet if kate you don't winslet have had seen in the bedroom and was basically beaten down field's door saying whatever you do next yeah you know she did that thing where you reach out and says i just saw this i kind of can't believe what i just experienced and whatever that is i want to like i want to be a part of that <laughs> next time so so he did he was like great <laughs> yeah yeah and you have kate winslet and then he surrounds kate winslet with um you know well i mean you have jennifer connelly who's also awesome yeah um but you know in terms of the men that are around her stage actor you know she, she he todd field casts these you know two stage actors that were you know primarily known for musical theater frankly uh-huh. um and uh you know and it's just you know so they're not they're not known they certainly weren't known you know patrick wilson has kind of gone on and now has had a a really solid film career you bet but he certainly hadn't at that point yep um uh you know and he in a way it's really neat because it's what we often see in reverse just from a a stunt casting standpoint you Mm -hmm. usually have the two big guys who are stars and the women are like let's pluck them off the street or let's have a hundred you know, uh, ca- casting call of every thousand, you know, young women in Hollywood. I, they really like doing that to women in a way they don't, it's not, the, it's certainly happens with right. men, but it's not quite the same. They, it, it's it, like a lot of things in life. It's not really on an equitable level. They really do like discovering the hot starlet, you know, um, this is that in reverse. Jennifer Connelly was in the midst of a bunch of Oscar nominations. Um, mm-hmm. Kate Winslet was nominated for this film, in fact. Yeah. Um, uh, so they were they were the hot actors, really. And Wilson and the, who's the ex cop in it? He's fantastic in it. Uh, the ex cop is uh, 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 my favorite role. Noah, Noah, Noah Emmerich. Noah Emmerich. Who's yeah. again? Maybe you don't know his name, but I promise you, if you saw Noah, you would know him. Noah yeah. Emmerich is to give you a sort of populist uh, appearance of his. He's he's uh, Truman's best friend in the Truman Show. Yep, and he's great as the next door neighbor slash best friend slash like he's. He is the opposite of William Apather in that he's just very trustworthy and very, yeah. which is why he's so great in Truman Show because Truman he's Show. he's a complete mm-hmm. tool of the system who's who you just believe and even when he's lying right to his face still feels like he has Truman's best interest at heart because yeah. he has that warm jock buddy from high school sort of feel to him mm-hmm. and uh, he's great he was great in the Russians on. Uh, t- uh, TNT the or whatever, yeah. the Americans. Sorry, the with Americans, the K. Yeah. yeah, but they were actually Russian spies. Sorry, spoiler alert. You find that out. Yeah, the first time, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but the Americans. Thank you for that correction. Um, he's just awesome. He's a really, really good actor. And this role is, um, it's it's different. He, he's still that guy, but there is. 
his insecurities are so intense and it, it just I, again in a lesser film that would be annoying i would hate that mm-hmm. sort of over the top approach to stuff but there's this you know there's this great scene where um Patrick, you know, there's affairs going on and things like that, and we won't get into the details of those. We'll let you discover them themselves. But I'm sure, as you can imagine, the fidelity plays a big part in the film, even though it ends up being less of a big part than you think when the thing is over. That stuff seems like a side dish, really, to what was really happening in the story. But um, there's this great scene where there Patrick Wilson and, and Noah Emmerich play this pickup football game out in the park at night. Or at the high, on the high school football field, just it's supposed to be touch football, but because they're all a bunch of, because they're not in pads or anything, yeah. But because they're, you know, a bunch of macho guys, they t- they beat the crap out of each other, you know, just like we used to play in the backyard. You you tackle right, right. people. It didn't matter. You didn't have a helmet on. Um, and Wilson does this. It's I feel like it's almost deliberate this way. He makes this impossible could only happen in the movies football play to win this game. <laughs> um, you know, like yeah. it's just like that's not really that's not even yeah. fake. It's, yeah, backyard football that doesn't make any sense. But it's great. It's shot in this heroic sort of crazy over the top way, and um, and Emmerich's so excited, and they're all going out to the bar. But somebody that Wilson's interested in like shows up walks over to him and they're clearly going off to rut together. Yeah. And he's, and, and Emmerich's like, well, come out or whatever. And he's like, yeah, may, maybe in a bit. But what he means is no chance in hell. I'm going with this attractive woman. Like yeah. you're, you're a guy, you're supposed to get this. And, he, and there's these shots. It's, it's this cross cut bunch of sequences. The film juggles a bunch of different narratives kind of brilliantly and he keeps moving uneasily through them all throughout the story. There's mm-hmm. this shot of Emmerich at the restaurant while the restaurant thins out while his crowd goes away until he's finally sitting on the sidewalk outside the closed bar thinking his friend is still going to come visit him. And this, he's already this broken guy and this just cracks him in half in a way. It's, it's so weird. Yep. It's such a little desperate, pathetic thing. But Emmerich imbues the dude with such humanity that you feel it. You, instead of getting a laugh out of it, you feel increasingly sadder and more empathetic for him. And it, it the movie's just full of stuff like that. It's so it's so well rounded. It feels like, you know, it feels like James L. Brooks and like these are more demonstratively emotional films, but mm-hmm. you know, he made Terms of Endearment. That was his first movie, and his second movie was Broadcast News, which is a perfect movie. And then he did, like, I Love Trouble, and he's really made nothing but crap sets. <laughs> like, he had right. this signature style, and it was like, holy Moses, you know. Mm-hmm. This is the guy. Like, this is the, a new guy that's going to make only brilliant movies forever, and he hasn't made a brilliant movie since. And Fields, his legend's only grown because instead of making disappointing movies since, he hasn't made any movies Right. He feels like a guy who if he can't do it his he makes them modest enough that you shouldn't Hollywood really should just let him go if they believe right. in the thing. You know, you don't have to have tons of movies about what color so and so's cape is or whatever because it's not that kind of movie. <laughs> right. So so it, you, he should be left alone, but he's had a hard time getting his dream projects off the ground and he feels like a dude who isn't going to make a movie unless he can make it his own way. Right. So I don't know where that leaves us with him. I guess the other guy we really should mention in uh, 
before just moving on without stating too much about it in uh in um little children Children is jackie earl haley jackie earl haley who's pretty famous actor now he he had the weird distinction of being a relatively famous actor then, but he hadn't acted in something like thirteen years. Well, sure. I mean, he was a he was a kid star, right? But a kid star in several things. Most yeah. famously, uh, Bad News Bears. But he was, but he was regarded as wow, one of those kid actors who you're like, wow, this kid is that you know he's they're actually it, he he wasn't trading on precociousness, right? He was trading on the fact right. that. He clearly was building characters and and you know, punching you know punching above a kid's weight. Yeah, uh, even in as, Bad as, News Bears, his most mm-hmm. signature child role, he he plays the the motorcycle riding you know rebellious fifteen year old who you never know yep. what he's gonna do. And then he goes away <clears> for <throat> as I'm looking just looking at his filmography here. It's about thirteen years between between project between a film here before you know. He's he's in he's in Maniac Cop Three Badge of Silence in 1993, yeah, and then comes back and and Todd Field gives him this. He, he ran this, his course to a career that that led itself to Maniac Cop sequels, mm-hmm. and just I don't know if he just couldn't get jobs anymore, or he gave up, or he kind of gave up because he couldn't get decent jobs anymore. Some sort of petering out yeah. of his career happens to a lot of people. Um, so I don't know the fields isn't the kind of guy who does a lot of interviews or a lot of commentaries. I've never heard Jackie, Jackie's the kind of guy who does, but I've never heard his take on this. What, why they, because he's nothing like the dude in the novel. Who's like, kind of like James Gandolfini. If you, you know, type of person. Sure. Yeah. Um, he just, but he, He's his presence in that movie and that role and the way that story is told is it just it's it's Joel says unpleasant. I it really is, but it just knocks your socks off. It's just a it's a, just yeah. an incredible reemerging from the shadows of an actor. I, it's hard for me to think of another one that quite has the same impact, you know. And then he showed yep. up in all the Kingsman and Watchmen and a whole bunch of other things. Semi pro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And he's great. He's fun. Yeah. He, you know, he's fun. But this, this is his, he was nominated this for was, an Oscar yeah. for it, rightly so. And this is his, I hate to say it, but it's his signature role because he, yeah, it's just I mean, the he meeting of so many sort of perfect elements and his yeah, style yeah. and his sort of a matter of fact style of acting helps the story in ways that it are, you know, are just wonderful. I, mm-hmm. you know, and he's got a weird look. He looks like somebody you recognize, but he doesn't look like he looks when he's a kid and he doesn't mm-hmm. have the same, uh, or even a young man. He doesn't have the same reaction on you either. It's a different unnerving sort of reaction. And it's a visionary choice to use him in this. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's pivotal. It's the, the fulcrum role upon which the whole thing sort of, Moves. No offense to Connolly and Winslet, who really are the stars in in a very real way. They really are the focus of the story. We mm-hmm. sort of talked about all these guys, but um, no. It, well, it, it, we talked about these guys because the the the, the guys uh, are are less known. You know, Kate Winslet and Jennifer Connolly, top of their game. Kind of, yeah. Kind of when when the, you know, yeah. They're 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 above title. You know, when you see their name above title, you you know that oh, there's going to be some 
multi-layered three-dimensional characters being you know being brought to life here they're they're two of the you know two of the finest actors that there are yeah uh in my opinion yeah um, and they're in that early you know late 30 early 40s age range there whatever yeah, mid 40s this, like they're perfectly refined them, and yeah th- and this truly is at the absolute operating at the highest level of their careers yep. so it's yep it's no absolutely so it's it's i mean yeah so you clearly were enjoying some um some camp some lighthearted romp uh romps <laughs> yeah. It's I just to wanted say... to, you know, call your attention that this is this guy has a way of working. Mm-hmm. There's a way of storytelling going on here, and you may resent it a little bit if you've never seen these or you watch these because we told you to, um, because it does come at you in a way that that, that it, Kate Winslet said I've never felt so uneasy as watching a movie as in the bedroom, and I just wanted to be, for whatever reason, it, as a as a person in the industry, it made me desperately want to be a part of that to give somebody else that sort of emotional experience that I had. And, you know, so she, it's because she wouldn't be the first choice for this part at all. She's brilliant in it because she's Mm -hmm. Kate Winslet, but you just, you, you, if you were just left to your own devices, you could think right over her as well. She wouldn't do it because the character leaves a lot of dignity on the floor in the film. You know, all Mm -hmm. these characters do, frankly, um it, it's brave and bold and and i just i yeah it's hard to say it's hard to say you know to our listeners uh you know you got to go out and see this you, you know oh you got to see because it. it's it's uh, these are hard movies to watch they're they're not but at the same time they're not art, they're, they're not weird art house films that are told no, in a weird I mean, they're, way they're I, very I easy to digest emotionally they are hard to emotionally to, they're to, tough to, to put your, you know, to, to want to gear yourself up on like a Saturday evening right. to want to watch these things. But if you have the opportunity, don't shy away from these movies because they really are, um, they're really terrific movies. Um, you know, I, I haven't, I saw Little Children not too long ago. Again, I haven't seen In the Bedroom for a very long time, but I saw Little Children again. Um, and it was, it was it's unpleasant. It's, it's, it's icky. Um, but, uh, all, but altogether wonderful and a wonderful story. There's wonderful storytelling going on. They're really good. Uh, I, I, I give them, I mean, I, I looked before the show, I sort of did a little reading about them and that gave them both nines. Yeah. They're definitely, they're considered sort of 7.1 movies cause they weren't made for everybody. They really weren't made for sure. their hard R, you know, adult very thematically rich films and that's not that isn't what we head out like joel said to the cineplex and plop our (laughs) money down you know but in the bedroom has the distinction of being the highest grossing film that was never in america's box office top 10 the highest grossing film was never in america's top 10 box office oh, for you mean, any for any week of its for existence. any week oh I, i'm with you now yeah 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 sorry i'm with you now or any day of its existence yeah. there yeah, are so other movies that don't 10, qualify but, yeah. for that that are like science movies or imax movies that have really long runs and yeah yeah um but but it's the only you know dramatic hollywood film as we think of it mm-hmm. that that it, it ran for so long in so many art house theaters and was seen by so many people 
outside of America's mainstream that it has that distinction as making a making the studio a bunch of not a ton of money because it's not that kind of movie, but making it a bunch of money, a profitable film that that was never part of the national conversation. It's just yeah. it's it, it and little children debuted a little higher because it had a little hotter stars at the time and some other things, but uh-huh. uh, it 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 also is it's not was like some gangbuster hit in two thousand six. Yeah. You got they're slow burn. They're slow burn movies that rely on word of mouth. They rely on other people, and they frankly they rely on critics. A movie like those would rely on critics to I, say. Yeah. To say this is a movie that's worth your while if you get a chance and you're looking for something different, if you're looking for something challenging. I really couldn't agree more. The critic bringing clarity to films like that is kind of what critics are for. Critics are yeah. kind of in today's uh, film, you know, uh, culture, it, uh, critics are useless. Films, good or bad, are what Joel calls critic proof. And I think that's. You know, that doesn't mean that they yeah. don't get ripped on because they totally do. It just means that you can say what you want. You can like solo uh, 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 Star Wars story, for example. But if if it if there's some other narrative being built collectively somewhere in the Twitterverse, your opinion yep. means nothing. And it works the same way in reverse. You can really not like, um, you know, uh, um, Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> right. And but good, gonna, good choice. Yeah. And, and it doesn't, you know, if, if people giggled and laughed at it and it sold a bunch of popcorn, then it it's not, you're not going to put much of a dent in people's opinions about it. So right. these are films where the critical conversation, like we hope maybe we had a little bit today. Sorry to keep running on and on about what did you watch this week, but it, I feel like we, it's the it, kind of show we have this week. Well, I feel so, like we don't circle. Yeah. We won't circle back to these. So I just kind of want to get that's the, true. These two movies. Yeah. They're not, they're not likely to show up. Far I don't know what list they could appear on. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that kind of thing. It's like, and that's good. The fact that yeah. they're list proof is a feather in their cap. It's a, it's a thing that recommends them. They're yeah. tough. They're very much of a piece, the two of them together, but they're very, very much a yeah. different thing. And if you complain that everything's the same or whatever, you don't have to travel you know, 20 years old now in the bedroom, but you don't have to travel too far back. You don't have to go back to the mid seventies to find something that's different. That These are yeah, really, yeah. really great. Yeah. Um, so Todd, whatever you're up to, man, we're, we're really oh, excited. Yeah, about be, it. Yeah. That'll be exciting. It. You know, when, whatever, whenever he does put out another project, he didn't really act anymore either. So he's kind of, yeah, he's just, yeah. Who, you know, he's let's just hope he's stewing. Let's hope that whatever he's doing, he's marinating it. It's, it's all getting marinated and it's going to be, it's going to be terrific. He's he's shooting some weird, like, uh, detective type mystery that takes place in 1910 and stars Daniel Craig. But they haven't okay. started making it yet, which makes me think that could just evaporate at any time. Yeah. But it, when you read the – I did a very bad job because I don't have the synopsis in front of me. When you read the little – what they know it's about uh, mixed with the star and the fact that the kind of material he's done before, it it, it perks you up and gets you excited. So, mm-hmm. Or uh, Daniel Craig. We call him Mr. Rachel Weiss on the show, don't we? I I um, angrily refer to him as that. <laughs> he was on Stephen Colbert, you know, for the last Bond movie, and and he's like, I don't understand. My 
my wife came on here and she had all this gift packages and all these things. And she was, apparently I was, I, we were chatting and she was in some other totally different room. That's like all more luxurious than the green room <laughs> I was in. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, so what's the deal? I'm a pretty big star. What's going on? And Stephen Colbert's like, I, I like her better than you. <laughs> yeah. And his classic <laughs> sort of, and Craig's play, gets the joke and is like, okay, that explains it all yeah. after his big rant. <laughs> so, we uh, love Daniel yes. Craig, but we really love Rachel Weisz. Mm. <laughs> we're we're uh, like Colbert in that way. Um, Did you find see, it? Going to do a film set in the Mexican Revolution, starring Leonardo DiCaprio. Ooh. A coming of age minor league baseball story set in the seventies Northwest. Uh, I didn't see any of these. Where are you? I'm just on Wikipedia. Oh, I went to the uh, Internet Movie Database. It's the reported that Franz's, uh, Franzen's novel Purity was in the process of being adapted. That would uh, that's the one that would star Daniel Craig. That would be a twenty-hour series on Showtime. Oh, even better. Yeah. Um, let's see. Yeah, those are that's the that's the most. So um, if we even see any of those at any point, because all he's been doing is working on projects, writing scripts and developing things that uh, have not been made into movies. So, so yeah. don't get, don't get too excited, but with just a shout out to Todd, he's a, you know, he, he was as, he was a reliable, but as sort of generic back, uh, um, side actor as, as there was during that era. Mm -hmm. And as an original storyteller behind the, camera and in the scripting process he is a stunning talent that i yeah really i'm just looking couldn't at admire his, more yeah he was he that's not to say he was a bad actor he's cute and twister and he's yep. he's good and eyes wide shut you know yeah he's he's uh, good in the stuff that he's in that's good uh um, yeah but he he's and the, you always feel there's something else going on with him which is always a fun thing as an actor to be but he yeah. found his calling when he went to the other side of the camera, in my opinion. He, he's exceptional in that work. So. Excellent. So how about you? Do you watch anything as cool as that? Uh, I, I, I did not. Um, I, the, my big watch this past week, um, uh, you know, my son was on spring break this week, so it was exhausting. Uh, so it was just lots of hanging out, lots of watching um, uh, videos of iconic German polka master James Last. Uh, we watched a lot of that because that's what the kind of stuff my son's into. And Dyson just came out with a brand new vacuum that features a laser to illuminate dust. So that is the kind of thing that uh, I watched a lot this week. I did watch um, a documentary uh, about the last blockbuster from uh, a couple years ago. Um, and uh, uh, meaning the blockbuster, the video store, the video store chain, chronicling the uh, yeah, chronicling the rise and fall of the blockbuster video chain, um, and the missteps along the you know the early successes and then the big missteps that blockbuster made uh, that ultimately led to every single one of them closing down to three in Alaska and one in Bend, Oregon. And then the three in Alaska closed and now there's just down to one. And they had and a frankly, lot of terrible business model decisions that they made, but it really wasn't those even that ran them out of business, right? It was just people stopped 
going to video stores for well DVDs yeah i mean yeah, you yeah i mean you know the kind of according to the documentary the common the common thought it's not like some that, other like, video chain rose no, in know, the ashes was, and thrived you know, yeah, it was. They yeah, all it died. Was, you know, basically, it was the. I. It was the. You know, the conventional thinking, and and you know, and and this obviously plays a big part of it. Is you know the rise of Netflix and streaming services and everybody right. getting into that. Um, however, the big thing that did it was that recession in two thousand and eight, because uh, Viacom had bought uh, had bought Blockbuster. Uh, and was essentially using Blockbuster's money. You know, the the kids at that time, Blockbuster was just a money printer, mm-hmm. um, and they were using that all of Blockbuster's funds to pay off all of their other debts from all of the other properties that Viacom owned, which were extensive. And then, which were extensive. Yeah. And and so and still then, are Viacom still owns yeah, yeah. Paramount technically, and Paramount's. Yeah. Paramount's functioned as a distributor for independently financed films for the last few years, but it's it, outside of the, and even these have been pushed on to other companies, but outside of the Mission Impossible films, like they, they've produced very, very little right. actual movie making. So, and um, yeah, and so then when, so then when streaming came about, and you know, and then there's a very famous story of, Netflix came to Blockbuster very, very early on and said, Hey, would you want to buy us for like $60 million? And Blockbuster laughed them out of the room. Well, Blockbuster, um, that's kind of good because Blockbuster would have Netflix, they've done some things mm-hmm. wrong throughout the years too that we tease them about. But Netflix, yeah, who knows what kind of, yeah, what kind of in, in the hands of the people up. running Blockbuster may not be what it is today at right. all. So it's probably, we're probably fortunate for that. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so there was, um, yeah, so there was that story. And, you know, and, 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 but this one in Bend, Oregon has survived because it's a franchise. They had just simply franchised the name. Uh, which and was then kept uh, the name, which and yeah. kept the kept so the name. When and the, the corporate is, corporation the name, fell, they you still had this little owned yep, the name, privately owned. Uh, the name Blockbuster is still owned by Dish Network, and so that's that's one of the plot. That's one of the subplots of the film is they're at the time of this documentary. They're in their final year of the agreement with dish network to let them use the blockbuster name. And they're like, ah, what happens if we lose? Cause, and because, because dish network still owns blockbuster and, and blockbuster still has the, and dish network has these connections. That's how they're able to sort of still continue with some of the, um, you know, some of the prices they're able to get on films, you know, and, and the amount of DVDs they're able to, or Blu-rays they're able to get. Uh, and games, uh, things like that. How, so they're still they're still you know able to use that blockbuster and Dish Network mostly name to be able to 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 get things. But it, and so they if they lose that, what happens? And and it's this and it's essentially this one woman that has kept uh, the blockbuster alive, and she's like it, it's the, she's like a mom to every teenager in town because every teenager has worked at that blockbuster at some point. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so it's it's really charming. It's lovely. It's filled with, you know, eighties and nineties nostalgia, um, and two thousands like nostalgia. Yeah. You know, just sort of just sort of chronicling how we all used to watch films and how 
how the video store was an integral part of our social lives. I, um, I do miss video stores, even though I didn't, I tried to avoid them every way I could. Yeah. They were lively places, you know, they were like bars or restaurants. When you would drive by one, the lights were always on, even at 10 o'clock at night. There were yep. always people milling about inside, like they brought a neighborhood to life in a weird way. Yeah. And it was that their absence, you, you really do feel like this is a colder, darker place now, you know? Yeah. And, and it's that, you know, in that, that idea, you know, in, in the dating scene, uh, it was the kind of thing where, you know, that's how couples could sort of quickly in a shorthand get to know each other. Right. It was, let's the, go rent a movie. It was the, and, it was the, that era's version of the going to the bookstore and have yeah. things to talk about everywhere. Yeah. It's, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it was, it was, uh, it's a charming movie. Uh, it's, um, yeah, it was, it, it, it was, and it was really well done. It was, it was lovely. And, um, uh, yeah, and that is on, what did I watch that on? Uh, shoot. Was that on, that might've been on Amazon prime or that might've been on Hulu. Um, shouldn't be hard for you folks. to find. Shouldn't be hard to find. Yeah. Shouldn't be hard to find. Um, but yeah, that was that, that, so that's really kind of the only, the last that, blockbuster, the last blockbuster. Um, and of course, uh, watching things like Falcon and the winter soldier and, um, some, some of these continuing series that we'll talk about at some point, um, at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, I haven't watched those. I haven't watched WandaVision yet, which I was really excited about, but I just haven't been able to bring myself to do it. I haven't watched Kong versus Godzilla. I haven't watched Jack Snyder's no, Justice League. I just haven't. Yeah. That's just I not did. at all the kind of thing I've been in the mood for, unfortunately. Right, and so. I mentioned this to Ryan. Um, I, I'm very. We should get with it, Joel. Joel, we should get with it. We should start watching Godzilla, and there should be. We should have YouTube previews where Godzilla's over here and Kong's over here, and I'm in the middle going. We and that, and that. everyone will click on us then, because right now people are like. I don't want to listen to these obnoxious know-it-alls talk about in the bedroom <laughs> from 20 yeah. years ago. Screw this. Well, okay. So, yeah. You know, we'll, we'll see. Maybe we'll do two pictures. We'll do one of, of Kong and Godzilla and, and Ryan in the middle going, I don't know. And then we'll do another one of Tom Wilkinson and Sissy Space and, and <laughs> see Ryan which, going, See which one know. gets the most clicks. And see which one gets the most clicks. That's, uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll, you know we'll the kind of videos I'm talking about, though. These critics yeah. aren't even all terrible, but the we're, we're and we're no better. We're just we're like them. We're just these homemade. We decided to be internet movie critics. You know, all of a sudden in our forties. Yeah. Um, so I'm not being too judgmental, but I swear to God that it's sometimes just that. Look, look at the pop culture jumping out of the screen. <laughs> At you. Right. Well, you and I, you and I chose the um the And they're all set up place. like what's this guy whose name I can't remember and who I don't know personally gonna say about Godzilla? Right. Uh, to well, me that just rings false. There's no excitement in that and so I we're not that unfortunately, but yeah, sometimes well, I wish I also, we were. You and I also chose the uh the always successful business model of sort of critiquing and discussing films that are like 20 years old. Sorry. So, <laughs> well, not always, but <laughs> not, not always, but that's, you know, that's, but we do take a historical perspective. We, we, we are more, yeah, we talk we, about we, that. We, and we, maybe we'll talk about that a little more on the show. Why, why uh, that I, happens. And I will say, dear listener, I, I did watch the Zack Snyder uh, justice league. I, I hope Ryan gets a chance to watch it sometime in the next month, because I do, there are some next things. Month, I think that's, it is, that's harsh. Well, no, that I puts will, a lot of pressure I, on me. I just mean whenever you get around to it, four so hours long. And talk about it because 
it and I've already I, seen it twice when it and it's it sucks for him. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a very it's a very different film. I'm and sure. That's what uh, that's what that's the I point, right? Exciting to talk about. Um, I promise I'll watch that just in time for it to be completely not topical anymore. <laughs> um, and then you know, and then we'll follow that up, of course, with uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Kong versus Godzilla. You could insist, fans. You could. There could be thousands of yeah. you, and and you know, instead you of just really, however many really of you there are. And then on Zack Snyder. Yeah, you. You could demand I watch that, but they're just nobody's doing that, so it's tough. Tough to get me off my horse when nobody's here's anywhere deal, in sight here's, pushing me to do this or that. Here's the deal, my friend, my friends that, uh, that are listeners right now. Um, Ryan is tough but fair. If you come back and you say, Ryan, watch this, watch the Snyder Cut. We want your thoughts. Uh, it, yeah, you know, I'll do if it. You reach out to us at the Movie Show with Joel and Ryan on Facebook, uh, at Ask Joel and Ryan on Twitter and Instagram, or at the Ask Joel and Ryan at gmail.com, or on YouTube here uh, at the Movie Show with Joel and Ryan page on YouTube. You can certainly say, Ryan, watch the Snyder Cut. I want to hear you guys talk about it. Hey, Ryan will Ryan that will bump it up in the priority list for Ryan. Um, We're not talking to you, Rob. I'm not watching all your weird things from olden times. We only mean the Snyder cut. We don't mean. (laughs) No, we mean all kinds of things, but I just didn't want to give him false hope. (laughs) (laughs) Rob right now is like, Oh my God. He's flipping through his Rolodex. Aha, Ryan. <laughs> I just didn't. I feel bad. I didn't want to. <laughs> we love you, Rob, and we can't wait to have you back. We couldn't love you more. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, so we, um, so this show this week, we also, um, you know, we knew we were going to talk about Todd Field and the hilarity of everything that that involves, um, but we sort of thought we would just do another. Um, uh, I, I, I honestly don't know because we, uh, I, I haven't really been paying attention maybe wrongly to the feedback from it, but a couple of weeks ago <laughs> we debuted a new, uh, a, a new feature. At least uh, one person got into a big discussion about it. The details, the joke said that she thought it was really, really fun and that we love that sort of response. So yeah. So I, um, I believe that was a personal friend of mine. So I don't know if it counts, <laughs> but um, it, it did. It, I'm just saying that segment, yeah. you're getting to what it is, but that was very popular, at least amongst one. one we did one also person. hear from your mother, and your mother thought that one of your answers was very funny. Yeah, nice. Uh, um, I didn't know I my know. mom listened to the show. Uh, I think your mom does from time to She's time. She's a big yeah. supporter of it. She does what I say. She likes it and shares mm-hmm. it, but I don't. I didn't know that she actually listened to it. That's weird. Well, she did. At least the, she did that episode because maybe. Because she maybe knew part was, of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah. So we're going to do So we're, you know, so we're just going to explore some of our, um, our fun little. That's my favorite joke play. on Blackish, by the way. Is what? Is um, the, their kid, like the young boy on the show, the teenage boy or whatever. He's probably yeah. an adult now. I haven't watched that show in a while, but he's, he quits his job or whatever. And he's wasting all his time. And he's like, I, he goes, I have a podcast. It has two subscribers and it's, it's, uh, <laughs> Ross, his mom goes, yeah, I'm so, one subscriber, honey. I'm sorry. I unsubscribed. <laughs> and, and the, his reaction is, hmm, okay, <coughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. It, it has yeah. two subscribers. You know, he does the, mm-hmm. he love it. Know, they get the joke on that show when it's a gag. They, they go, they do it. 
perfectly. So yep. Um, all right. So let's we're just gonna do some of our uh, our fun little games, and of course, the first one on that one means that I get to play this again. What should I do? What do you do? What do you do? I don't know. What do you do? What do you do? What should I do? I don't know. What do you do? What do you do? I don't know. What do you do? I don't know. What do you do? What do you do? Seriously, what should I do? I don't know. Maybe this one? All right. So we're going to do a little what do you do? Fun. The, I recommend all of you who are listening to the audio version of this, even if you don't have time for us on video, you head over to YouTube at <laughs> around sort of 47 something minutes in the show, 45 minutes or so, and check out the graphics that Joel made for that. <laughs> what do you do? Audio segment. It's there were they're worth watching several times but you gotta ever every fan of the show has to see them at least once so please do they're, that. yeah they're they're fun to do it's it's what i it's it's uh that's how i i, I nerd out i enjoy it very much i'm mostly responsible for the audio hits you hear on the show that one is a, a, a joel listman exclusive yeah. special and it's it delights me because it's right it's right in line uh, with the tone me, I think we've worked so hard to cultivate here. On yes, show. and and you know again not to not to you know pat each other's backs too much, but uh, that is what you know. Every time Ryan came up with one of these sounders for when we had an idea for a little, you know, game section or whatever discussion section, um, he would send them to me, and we would I would just laugh giddily, and we would the the messages so. The fact that uh, I got to do one and he enjoyed it uh, seemingly as much as I enjoyed the ones that he has made uh, brought me great joy. Um, so first <clears throat> off, okay, what do you do? Okay, so Ryan, my dear friend, you are—I uh, know that you—you're having a hard time getting back out there after your most recent breakup, and you need a pep talk from your sassy romantic comedy best friend. Who are you turning to, Becky? Rosie O'Donnell's character from Sleepless in Seattle. Goose, Anthony Edwards from Top Gun. Fat Amy, Rebel Wilson from uh, Pitch Perfect. Semi, Arsenio Hall's character in Coming to America. Or Freddie Bauer, John Candy's character in Splash. Good gravy. Who, who's going to give you that pep talk to get back out there? Can I have Victor Garber from Sleepless in Seattle instead? <laughs> so you can talk about... Uh, uh, so we can really talk, and I don't have to just sit there while these other parade of clowns <laughs> bark at me about this or that. Um, I, I can't. I know the answer to that already. That was rhetorical, Joel. I know yeah. I can't just pick my own answers. Um. So Rosie O'Donnell, she's in the running, honestly, which I would, when yep. you started, I was like, oh, nope, not that one. But when you got to the end of this list, I was like, oh, Rosie's looking pretty good. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's, yep. So it's, I feel like, I feel like Anthony's too, uh, too jingoistic for my taste. I don't think I would respond well to that sort of sports like military kind of pep talk mm -hmm. um although i do admire him a great deal and rest in peace goose we love you <laughs> uh we really appreciate how much shorter you sure. were than tim robbins i know tom cruise appreciated that as well uh so 
so good. Uh, yes, we have Becky. So who's Fabi, that leave after uh, that? Sorry, Rebel Femi, Wilson. No. Arsenio Hall's uh, no, from, no. Uh, coming to America and Freddie Bauer. Uh, oh, Fred, Freddie, you know, I tell you, we well. talked about this on the John Candy countdown, top 10 John Candy performances. I'm actually going to pick Freddie because I, I would find him obnoxious and he would. But, you know, he's the kind of guy who might get me out of my shell a little bit. And I'm telling you, when it comes time for him to actually give his brother advice on what to do, I mean, he he nails it. I mean, he sticks the landing in a, a major way. So with respect to Rosie O'Donnell, who really did was in the running right here until I kind of thought about Splash a little bit more, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Freddie for sure. And, you know... Uh, I gotta tell you, I think I think you I think you have the the right answer. Um, you would have had the right answer with Freddie or Becky. Oh, good, thank you. I I, I think so because uh, you would have um, because really in this list, as I go through the list, uh, Becky and Freddie are really the only ones who truly do put their friends' interest uh, at the forefront in their advice. The others tend to give advice that is a little bit more self-serving. <laughs> um, so uh, that's that's a good point. I hadn't thought of it that way, but that is that is true. Um, that, well, sad, sadly, as I was putting it together, I was really getting deep into this as I was trying to figure out what rom-com best friends I wanted to put in here because there are, obviously there are a gajillion rom-com best friends out well, there. Well, and Top Gun, it. and some of these aren't even rom-coms, but well, sure. But I get what you're I get what you're saying. There's this great question, and I'm going to ruin it because I don't remember the couple, but it's one of those, if you could have uh, a date with any couple, living or dead or whatever, mm -hmm. um, who would you choose? And it's all, you know, people, it's one of those stupid questions, which I would have a hard time. Yeah, it's one of those things where you have to go, what do you do? Yeah. I, that, which is fun, but it's yeah. fun for me because you gave me a list there that we, I could work my way right. through. Well, yeah, it's well, very tricky when you're trying to just pick me out of the ether. Yeah. But this, it was a comedian who did this, but he, he, and he was joking, but he did it in this sincere way. He picked a couple where one of the people is living and one of the people is dead. And the reason he gave was because he thought that the person living would really appreciate it. And I just, I was floored by that answer, not wow. just in how clever it is, yeah. but, but the sort of, the just nice, yeah, altruistic way you answer this weird, dumb celebrity quiz question. I wish I could remember who the people were. I can't, and I I can think of a couple that might fit that bill, but saying them feels distasteful. So mm. that was another thing. He made that joke while picking the exact right two people that you would feel good about and not gross about. So right. hats off to that guy, whoever you are. Um, I have to say, impressive. Uh, it, this is a little bit of a tangent. I, um, some of the, uh, I do some work for the Williams syndrome association. Um, and we were having a, a sort of a workshop weekend a couple weekends ago. And, um, and, and there's, there's regional people from all over the country and we we're all on uh, obviously uh, over zoom and stuff. And we, the, the, our, our person, our coordinator running the whole thing, She's like, she would, you know, intersperse these little icebreaker things or just some things to sort of loosen everybody up in a way for all of us to get to know each other better. And, and she was asking questions like that. It's like, uh, if you could, you, if you could have dinner with any three other people, who would you have? And people are like, Oh gosh. And I'm like, I know. And then I would reel off, you know, reel off my people. 
and then you know it would go on and there would be another question and and i would you know and i just i knew my answers and they're like and they said how do you have all of your answers like you you clearly and i'm like i have a podcast and this is what we do this is what <laughs> we do this is this is how this is how my 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 lizard brain works last so, tangent we talked about colbert earlier he has this segment where he brings on celebrities and they lie on the grass and look up at the stars oh, and yeah, ask each other awesome. these weird yep. questions and he asked tom hanks that once he when they were doing that he's like if you could meet with any famous person living or dead which would you choose and tom hanks's answer was oh living <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was pretty classic. That's solid. That's yeah. a solid bit. Uh, all right, one more. What do you like? Living, okay. definitely living. living. Definitely living. That's solid joke right pretty there. Um, all right, so Ryan, your your talents, your skills have been compared to Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders. You just, uh, you know, just the amount of skill, the the talent you have. Yeah. Now the pundits need to know where are you bringing your talents. To the New York Knights from the movie The Natural, mm-hmm. the Miami Sharks from Any Given Sunday, AFC Richmond from Ted Lasso, the Washington Sentinels from The Replacement, the Flint Tropics from uh, from uh, oh my god from um, Semi Pro, <laughs> or the Charlestown Chiefs from Slapshot. Uh, what what, what the, fictional t- team? The Chiefs. You're, you're gonna you're gonna play <laughs> hockey for the Chiefs. Uh, oh yeah, that's where I belong. And we'll <laughs> we can talk through these so that that isn't just a one word answer. The point of these is to drag the show out a little bit. Shh, don't tell anybody. Yeah, don't um, tell anybody. Don't give away the. It's not just picking Chiefs and moving on to the next. <laughs> <laughs> Chiefs. End of story. Uh, I love Slapshot. Me and my buddy Bill Felberg, we were talking about this the other day, and he gives he quizzes me like this all the time and stuff. And he was super pissed, in fact, that we left uh, we left um, uh, not pissed, but he was he was surprised that we left Dark Water out of our Oscar discussion. But I told him ah. it's actually it's actually part of the big finish of the year in review, so it's there. The love is there. It's just in a different spot than you thought since, since Oscar wise, it wasn't out of the running, but it was, um, it wasn't a big part of that Mm -hmm. part of the year. So, so he, he, and he's like, what we we talk about bad news bears a lot. We just talked about it on the show. I told back in my baseball episode, our top baseball, which is like our second episode, I think, um, I, I call that not just my favorite baseball movie, but my favorite sports movie of all time. And the only movie that can follow Bad News Bears in a sports movie double feature is Slapshot. It's the, in fact, it's the perfect movie to follow it. It's, it was the perfect drive-in sports movie evening. And if you've never seen either of those, again, I'm not talking about Billy Bob Thornton, Bad News Bears, and I'm not talking about... Bad News Bears Go to Japan or whatever yeah, yeah. sort of made-for-TV crap came after. The actual Bad News Bears with Walter Matthau and Slapshot with Paul Newman and crew. Uh, I, yeah. I love those films. Zany, fun movies that that put you in the late 70s in a way that, that you know, they are made then. So, of course, it's easy for them to do that. But even some of those films, like, have this... They sort of skirt around the the times a little bit. Those films just nail it. Yeah. So, 
I love those. If you haven't seen them, uh, watch them. If you want to watch them with me, look me up. We'll watch them together any <laughs> anytime. Unlike uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, I do not have to get geared up to watch those at any any day of the year. Um, they're summer movies, but any day of the mm-hmm. year is fine. Uh, so what were the other ones? They all sucked, basically. No, uh, near, um, The Knights. That'd be neat. Although The Knights, I have to say... It's one of the annoying things about the natural one. I don't know if this is from the novel or this is just a simplistic way Hollywood breaks it down. But the Knights can't win a game without Robert Redford. And right. they can't lose with them. And it feels like that should be more nuancedly handled in that right. script. I really don't want to be one of the Knights that's not the natural, that is just sucks without him. Or is just some comical sidekick. Michael Madsen aside, who's great in it. Um, the rest of those guys are just... Yep. They're just guys, you know. Um also the 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 Knights have shady ownership. They do. So that that might make it that would make it difficult. They do, but they got a coach you want to win for and they got yeah. the greatest assistant coach in, really of all time in sports mm-hmm. in uh uh what's his face? <laughs> Forgot his name. I don't remember his that actor's name either. Um He's great. Yeah, he's, you know, in Pop, the, he's in the he's in he was Oscar nominated for um the straight story and he was in I want to say Farnsworth is his last name. Farnsworth, okay. that's right. Richard is must right? be Richard, Richard Farnsworth. Richard Farnsworth. Okay. Thank you. Um all I could yeah, think was yeah, Foxworth, I, and I'm like, that isn't right. Yeah, I was like, oh god, Good job, say, Joel. I try not to like throw Richard out Farnsworth, I, the late Richard Farnsworth natural yeah. national trade. Because if I because if you know I had Farnsworth in my head, but I'm like, if I say it out loud, that's literally all I won't be able to move on from it if I'm wrong. You were right. Um and so uh, all right, Miami Sharks, of course. Uh, no way, no by, chance. Yeah, yeah. No. Go watch, I mean, or don't. I don't know, it's up to you. <laughs> if you've seen that movie, you know why. No, I don't want to be around any of those people. No, thank you. Um, no no surprise to anyone who knows me. Of course, I would choose to play for AFC Richmond um, and Ted Lasso as my coach. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, playing soccer in England um, in the Premier. Just to be part of the feel-good story of the century, you know. Uh, yeah. Anything yeah. to be and, that. So I get it. That makes Ted, that makes good sense. And Ted Lasso is the kind of coach that uh, doesn't make you won't won't you know he'll you you will be as good of a player as you choose to be, but Ted Lasso he will make you a better human. He'll make you a better person. And and um, what could be better than that? Yeah, Washington Sentinels. Uh, that was the uh, that was the uh, winner on your list until you got to you know you hit slap shot and there's just no yep. chance. That's. Can't you see uh, me all dressed up in the Chiefs uniform and with a black eye and a bandage on my head? Yep. Playing out there playing without a helmet, just being the team's enforcer. Mm-hmm. And even even younger Ryan, um, like if you had if you still had like the flowing mullet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. Flow the flowing. I well, assume actually, it's younger or, Ryan. Or in college, or in college when you're you know you sort of had the long the whole long hair. I was sort of like a Bo Jackson. I I was a double threat. I sucked equally at two different sports. That's true. Yeah, and that's there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Uh, and of course, the Flint Tropics, led by Jackie uh, Jackie Moon. Um, uh, What's that again? Playing, playing basketball. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, with uh, um, coffee black, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so the Charlestown Chiefs, um, yeah, hard to, hard to argue with the Charlestown Chiefs. Um, all right, so that's going to do it for what do you do. What do you do? Um, but I do have. Ooh. Let's get some hot takes. Oh, yeah. 
Let's get some hot takes. Let's get some hot takes. Let's get some hot takes. Okay. Every movie should have a post-credit scene. Is my hot take. No. No movie if should no have other a post-credit scene. Any- when the movie's over, the movie should be over. Those post-credit scenes are stupid. Every movie should have a post-credit scene if for no other reason than to keep people in their seats so that they see just how many people it takes to make a movie. That's not good enough reason. Okay. If if you're waiting to the end to see Robert Downey Jr. tell some sort of fart joke, then it's not the same as caring about who made the movie. The things aren't don't go together whatsoever. So if if they did, I'd be I'd say sure, I get what you're saying, but I I don't think that's that's a it's a valid argument, but I, I don't think it's a winning one. You don't think you don't think that people you could like kind of trick people into caring. Well, I used to like, like Easter eggs. You know, there used to be these moments where you would hear, you know, at the end of Aliens in '86, you hear the aliens sort of run behind you in stereo. At yeah, the yeah. end of uh, the mission, there's this picture where the guy who's basically narrating the mission, this um, priest from the Vatican, just sort of he he he's been writing a letter back to the pope the whole movie and he when he's done with the letter he does the sort of you know the folding and the stamp and the they cut to him at the end of the credits and then he looks up and he actually breaks the fourth wall and looks at the camera and then boom, it goes black and it's it's cool it's like it's this tag on the end of a film yeah but that's not what these are these are just little bits of stupid advertising they just they suck i i, I hate them and i <laughs> and i I really don't like them. At the end of your credits proper or whatever, you want to give a tease to the next movie, but at, at the end of your 11 minutes or whatever to just have some asinine stupid thing, I just I am not a fan of that at all. At all. Mm. Not one bit. Not, all not, right. not in the slightest. And I just feel like it, 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 it just sort of is an open admission to the lack of integrity in your storytelling. Okay. You, you just a hype machine for the next big piece of crap. That's all you are. I hate that. All right, so the next one. Let's get some hot takes. Um, it's kind of a somber answer to no, a that's question. A, the, this next one is the hot takes sort of uh, infringing upon another uh, feature that we like to do on this show. Mm. But the, uh, the hot take is the trend now in Hollywood. So this could have been a... Yeah, I'm trying not. I, I sent the trend tracker out of the room <laughs> so the trend tracker wouldn't hear this. Right. Um, it wouldn't tre- feel like hot takes would- was, was treading on its turf. Yeah, because I'm, I'm afraid that the we try and keep all of our like- show modules separate yeah. and happy. That's the best mm-hmm. way to do it. Uh, the trend in Hollywood right now is there is no trend. The vast amount of broadcasting options available mean that they're that there isn't a reliability on exploiting a trend. And then as soon as a trend starts to emerge, niche programming allows, nay, nay demands that the trend be bucked. Um, I, I don't know, really. I think the, I think, I, I don't, I don't think Hollywood can help itself. You know, and it's been a few years now, but think of the, the young adult films, for example, and how many, I mean, I don't know, I, there's plenty of them that were hits, but how many young adult series were started with a big first film to launch the thing, and then that's the only ever film that they made from that series? Right. It's right. dozens and dozens of them, you know, and and uh, to the point that they were getting pretty good at the end of that trend at making them in a way that 
where they were betting hardcore that they wouldn't get to make another one. So they would, they would sort of, sure. they would change the ending somewhat to make it feel like a self-contained thing instead of a launching pad for something else. Mm-hmm. A lot of movies do feel like that. A lot of movies feel like this is the start of a big franchise and then the franchise never comes. And that's the sign of people desperately following trends, whether it's, extended universe trends or whatever it is. I, we've still totally hip deep in that of everybody copying that style and trying to get their piece of that. But it is true that niche, niche entertainment, like you can, you can put a young entertainment novel, even a, not a famous one that isn't even very good. And if you get the right vibe, you can stick that on Netflix, record 10 episodes, and it doesn't even have to be a monster hit to keep going and going and going. And that's cool because I wish, you know, I wish there was more of that. Although young adult stuff appeals less and less to me. We got young adult uh, segments coming. We got Hunger Games deep dives coming and Harry Potter episodes, which we've never done one. All that's, that's all we got that all over here for a rainy mm-hmm. day. Those are all coming. So just so you know, I don't diss on those. We can actually talk about some of that material, but uh, is it diminished somewhat on uh, in streaming? Yeah, but there's it's still trends that people are following. Even when you get down to the niches, you're mm-hmm. still you're still trying to copy some version of the what the big guns are firing out at Disney or wherever. So I, I feel like no. That's a long, complicated answer too, but I feel like it hasn't changed that much and it's not gonna. The way we get content is kind of evolving like crazy. And so there's some business models that are different, but I still feel at a core way, when you're in it for the money and and these, you know, you don't make Avengers Endgame to not make $2 billion. And if you don't make $2 billion, it's considered a complete and utter failure. It, it, on that level, it's all about just giving everybody what they want, giving them what they want, give them that end credit scene, give them all this dumb, you know, whatever. It it has to appeal to the least common denominator. And it has, from an artistic standpoint, you still have a couple of guys sitting in a lonely writer's room who have to come up with the next big massive thing. You got to find the right guys to do that, to bring any sort of storytelling integrity to it. So there's... Mm-hmm. It, it works both ways. It's not like they're big empty vessels. A couple of these movies are, but not many of the Marvel movies are. They're all pretty good. So sure. it, you know, but they're still, it's Hollywood still chasing its tail. Yeah. Okay. I, to, I mean, it totally is, you know, there's no yeah. more. And to the point that we, there's nothing anymore. I mean, we, there's no, you're not going to, there aren't going to be any more pirate movies. There aren't more, jungle adventures i mean they every once in a while these come up but they're these anomalous throwbacks they're not they're not making event films that aren't uh either big espionage films and it's we've talked about mission impossible movies on here those are as huge and amazing stunt based action films as exist but they're not about anything dude mm-hmm. try or the bond movies for that matter we explain the plot of them to somebody <laughs> like really talk about what happens and why it's like, what? It doesn't matter. It's just get on the, it's it, the stuff even works emotionally on you in, in storytelling ways, but it really is, you know, get on the motorcycle, get on the hovercraft, jump out of the helicopter. It's just stuff to hang that stuff on. Yeah. But 
you know, not everybody can do it. Not everyone right. can do it. So right. I don't right. know. Right. Does that, all, that I sort of went off on a tangent. Uh, oh, uh, no, no, we didn't. No, I, we weren't talking about you. Sorry. Shh. Yeah. Well, no, you had just head back out. Okay. Oh, I think you I think it heard me say. Uh oh. Okay. You're in trouble. That's that's gonna be an awkward conversation later. Mm -hmm. Um. All right. Uh. One more. Uh. One more thing here. I have a question. Um. I have a question. Who gave yeah. you the right to play God, Joel? Who gave you the right to play God? What is the point in doing anything? How dare you! What more do you want from me? I have a question. Might as well play the whole thing. Um, I do love it so. It is good. Uh, all right. So you had mentioned earlier uh, when we were talking about little children and in the uh, in the bedroom, you had ranked them. I think you had said you'd be nine, nine nine out of ten. Out, nine out of ten. So you <laughs> do you do an out of ten? Uh, yeah. Out of ten, how many? Like how often? You, I'll work you, within you, whatever ranking system you put ahead of me, but left to my own devices, it's out of 10, nine out of, it's out so of you, 10 scale. So you have, you know, and, and as we have mentioned many times on this show, a considerable movie collection, um, a, a vast, you know, if you, people who are watching this on video, you see his CD collection, uh, but you know, that's a portion of his, uh, of his music collection that um, the, the movie collection that he has is that as well, you, you, you're, you would only be seeing a portion of a very extensive movie collection as well. So have you, I'm assuming then, and knowing you the way I do, you probably have gone through and ranked and given, given ratings to, and not ranked, given ratings though, to all of those films that you own? Yeah, I don't know about all of them, but I, I do, in certain places, I do mm -hmm. rate rate stuff yeah where, sure. where, where re, somewhat religiously um to remind myself of stuff and to see how my opinions change and stuff right uh, my yeah. favorite place to rank stuff even though i'm not a big fan of this place anymore it's kind of changed for the worst but is internet movie database and mm. it, because a it has all the movies which a right. lot of these other places don't have all of them they just have whatever they're pimping at that time and B, it shares my ranking system. It's a it's a ten star system. So I like ten stars because it allows for nuance. Thumbs up, yeah. thumbs down. Netflix sucks. I mean, that's Ooh, yeah, that is hard. Have, it, having to choose when everything's so mediocre, mediocre in the world. I mean, everything is really so middle of the road. Uh, we live in a world where it's t 10 stars, best movie ever, or one star, worst movie ever. That's sort of the discourse. You, you It's pass-fail. If, if you pass, I love you. And if you fail, I hate you. And there's, there's movies aren't. They're fives and sevens. And that's mostly what they are. That's Sometimes mm -hmm. that's as good as you can do under the circumstances, honestly. There's no shame in that. Yeah. But I like a scale that allows for that and i like a scale that that where you're not just it's not just four stars for a quarter of the movies you see you know mm -hmm. so that's some excellent perfect piece of american drama and some pretty good whatever gets the same rating just because percentage wise that's how it has to break down um that's why i well, love 10 stars i don't give 10 stars out that's the other reason say, it's fun know, i don't give 10 stars out very often do you know how many times like how, like and you know let's say you have probably there's probably you probably have rated what easily over a thousand films 
According to Internet Movie Data, it's more like 4,000 and change. Well, there you go. How many times have you given a 10-star 10, a 10 rating? Uh, I don't have it right in front of me, but it's like 50 sometimes. Okay. Wow. So not very often. Do you remember the, do you remember the last time that you gave a... Yes, I do, because it's been a while, actually. The only... Uh, I, there's a few more movies, I think, back in the aughts that I gave... Uh, tens to but the in the the since 2010 to present i've only given out two 10 star ratings mm. to uh first to 12 years a slave and then to whiplash oh yeah well yeah i mean uh yeah both. that could change though joel it, and this goes to your well and that's and that's part of yeah i mean this it, goes it, to your earlier you point like what you know, you why do you rate things from the past? Why are you talking about things from 2001? Time changes the way you appreciate something. And if you really did appreciate it, it it increases the way you appreciate it sometimes. So, yeah, yeah. you know, there are some of these films from this era where if I put a little time in between, I revisit them and have a really strong reaction to it. They could come up from eight or nine to ten. It's possible. Yeah. I just... You know, it's a it's a music snob thing, which I'm not a music snob, despite the love of music. I don't rank music. I don't like music award shows the way I sort of enjoy movie award shows. I find music to be not a competition. I feel like it's really diminished by being one in a way that mm -hmm. movies are kind of inherently a bit of a competition. You know what I mean? Because it yeah. because it's not the competition's not about the quality of the movie. It's about how many faces you've got the movie in front of. That's what we talk about these things on that level. So, you know, yeah. I th find that fun. But yeah, uh, th so there could be more. There might very well be more. There have been a lot of good movies lately, but but even um, nines are getting pretty rare. I'm just getting stodgy in that way where it's like you got, you want 10 out of 10. I got 10 stars to play with. If you want all 10, I mean, you just got to nail it. Yep. Your movie has to yeah. be a few combination of things. It's got to be really perfectly done, which a lot of movies actually are. But more than that, it has to really be, a, a, uh, there's got to be a storytelling ambition to it that makes it worthy of being an all-time 10 out of 10 star thing. Mm -hmm. And obviously, 12 Years a Slave is is a just a Executed total trial by combat yeah. of a film in terms of kind of like the ones we were talking about earlier a little bit. Although the his the historical weight of it and all these other things that are brought down on it it's it's it is an interpersonal story it's a one man's journey sort of story but it mm -hmm. it has that weight and power of history and that this idea of ringing true and it and the fact that it comes at america the history of slavery in america from the standpoint of somebody who was free and clear of all that and tricked and sold back into slavery so that our journey with him is experiencing a lot of the precepts of that for the first time. Yeah. It, it's a stunner of a movie. It just Absolutely. really is incredible. And it's sort of unimpeachably good. You know, the only criticism I've ever heard levied at it that make any sense. And even this isn't fair is the, you know, Brad Pitt plays sort of a white guy who's who's could be cast somewhat as a white savior character in the show. Mm. Um, he comes along and is the dude who finally gets the word about this guy out to a lawyer and and gets us headed towards something of an ending that we can live with and not just feel completely gutted. But you know, Br Brad Pitt 
produced that film. I mean, he got that movie made. That's a plan B entertainment movie. That's it's the yeah. main studio behind it. And when he was asked, cause he was asked, well, why did you, first of all, why are you in it? You're not important. It's not even an important role. And why did you cast yourself in it? Such an important role. Like it was this asinine question. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, I, you know, really, I, 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 the reason I cast myself in the movies, I thought it might get the movie more attention. And we really wanted the movie to succeed and to be seen. Um, you know, so it was a, you're right. It was a small part. It was a little amount of work that I could easily do fit my schedule. And yet my name amongst this other, you know, Fassbender, Cumberbatch, all these white guys that are in the movie, Paul Giamatti, who are all fantastic. It, you don't watch the movie going, wow, the white guys are great. I mean, you just, that's not on your mind at all. You're so sucked into this film, you know, and it's Chiwetel Kifor is he's the central character and he's yeah. everything. Yeah. He's everything. It, it, you know, you want to play a slave owner in a movie. I mean, that, that's a choice you're making where your whole life for a few months, right? If, if you're fast bender, whomever is the, the things that come out of Paul Giamatti's mouth, he's a slave seller. Basically he's the, the, the slave barker. Yeah. It, it, and it's not like there, it's not like you see where they're out in this giant slave bazaar. They're just, they're in a little room and a little, you know, in the back room of a storefront and there's like three of them there and they're just completely talking about them like they're objects. And there's a guy who, you know, buys a mother and not a 10 year old daughter when they get separated and his sort of, uh, you know, his sort of, I hate this when this happens, that sort of just brutal, just to get inside the head of that is amazing, but it's it's Chiwetel that carries that film, right? Is right. this what you wanted me to do? Talk about these movies? Sorry, whoops. No, I mean, well, I, you, I mean, why? You, you, well, Twelve Years a Slave. I mean, uh, I would. Agree it's kind of like Todd Field. And where? When are we going to talk about that? Those Oscars have passed, and I feel like when are we going to talk about that? I don't know. Right. It. Um. So let's talk whip, about it. Whiplash. It's, whiplash. I mean, I, 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 loved Whiplash. I'm trying to think. Would I give Whiplash a ten out of ten? I don't know that I would give it a ten out of ten. I don't know. But boy, yeah, Whiplash was great too. Whiplash. There's no other movie like it in the world. I don't think there yeah. ever will be. And it, it was the best movie of that year with a by a country mile. I know there were other great movies that came out that were. I mean, and I get that Whiplash is not what Twelve Years a Slave is. It doesn't mm-hmm. have the weight of history. In fact, the whole thing feels agonizingly pointless. You know, like there's nothing mm-hmm. that can good can come out of what happens in Whiplash, and nothing really good does. But it's it's just perfection. I I you can put. You can put whatever action movie or whatever spy thriller or anything you want in front of me, any horror movie that's intense or whatever, and there's there was no stronger white knuckle. I feeling, I'm feeling my my lungs come up into my throat. Movie than Whiplash. The whole movie, I was just sitting here as this ball of tension. I mean. Yeah, I just I, I consider I it that, yeah. magical that it, it was able to do that to me, that a movie was able to do that to me, especially after all these years when I get so analytical and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just, I just, I couldn't, I felt like I held my breath for the whole film. <laughs> it's just, it's just incredible. That, that's movie. a really, that's a, that is a really good point. Uh, yeah, it was, it was so to really me, it's fun. like a one of a kind physical and emotional experience. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could buy that. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not saying I disagree with you. I'm just saying, well, I wonder if I would give it 
I, I, I not everybody would. I think if you don't have that reaction to it, it's it's just kind of a tough, rough movie to sit through. You know what I mean? If you're if yeah. you're not if you don't if you can't buy into it, but I think the movie, I, I think people who watch it, and I think the it just it was a small movie. It was not expected to win a bunch of Oscars or anything. It did. Right. I mean, it's a handful. It. Well, it's incredible. And it's, and it was so it was so fun to see, uh, you know, J.K. Simmons, who we've seen in a gajillion things, and he's just so unbelievably good in Whiplash. We live in a culture that, now where if you do something like he did for even a few seconds, you yeah. know, your your life is over. I mean, the, the parents are calling. It's it's not a thing that I think. I'm not saying there aren't people like that. I'm just saying that that sort of sustained. We're seeing this just from Hollywood directors now, and we're seeing. Not to get into a cancel culture debate, I don't want to do that at all. Maybe that's a show if we can tread it lightly enough on it. I don't know, but we are seeing guys who are just—they directed a movie, and they, it's not like they abused anybody or they just were mean to people because they have big egos and they're jerks, and that's true mm-hmm. of filmmakers going back forever and it's true of half of them working now and i kind of feel like we've gone a little too far when that's the threshold that we're holding this guy in whiplash is he's just a devil he's a demon he's a demon not the devil he's really this guy put on earth to torture to just wring out every bit of life in you that you have and his whole altruistic idea that he's going to create this super being this ultimate magician musician is going to come out of this thing if i just keep doing this it seems laughable yeah and it seems like even if it happens it's not worth it this much cruelty and abuse isn't something anyone should subject themselves to and isn't something anybody should be a part of but it is some like you said it's he the actor is so good and it's more than that there's more than that going on if it were just that it'd be tough it's a yeah, it's it, it's well, this chess match between these two characters in a weird way. Yeah, We're both using dramatically different tools to we've win. Seen, we've seen some of the plot points in Whiplash done in sports movies, right? You know, with the the abusive coach that that feels like they need to be as abusive as possible in order to right. get the best or boot out of camp players. movies with sergeants boot, that are yeah. just all yeah, up yeah. at you. Um, but like especially in sports movies, there's. There's a crowd cheering you on. There's these moments of, oh yeah, maybe it was worth it all. You never, I, I'm trying to, I don't think you, you, you don't really ever get that in, uh, in Whiplash uh, where, you know, it's like, oh yeah, all that abuse was worth it. Way to go. <laughs> he would have never been that good had he not been so brutally abused. Right. It's just another uh, part of Whiplash's brilliance. It, yeah. without getting to what happens at the end, the actual events, it, culminates in a big play big finish last minute win sort of sequence where you don't feel the least bit victorious as an audience member even though it does put you through those paces that exact structure is there it it doesn't it doesn't do the cheap thing of fulfilling this terrible terrible equation that it's set up from the beginning yeah and if it does it still makes you question everything that you've witnessed up until that point it's i really do believe whiplash is is perfection on screen it's 
It ain't for everybody, but it, it's a hell of a movie. It's, it's, a, movie. It's, yep. it's a young man who wants to be the greatest jazz drummer ever. He goes to the greatest musician school that you can get in, and he gets to be a part of the small jazz ensemble that's considered the best amateur uh, version of that in the country with a legendary conductor and teacher. And that teacher just happens to be one of the most evil people that ever lived. Mm-hmm. And can you even, can you, is that something you can fight against? Yeah. Or if you bend to it, is that something you can remain human at the end of everything? Is there some line you can walk in between? It asks all these questions and it it presents all these attempts to deal with that sort of force of nature, a hurricane right in the practice room with you. You know, How do you doesn't... deal with that? Yep. It's amazing you know it to me. It makes you ask, what should I do? It does. <laughs> what do you right? do? What do you so, do? So Joel, um, that is why I love Whiplash. It, it's, it, it, it's, and that is why, it, and, and it's, and it's those kinds of emotions. And we should mention a couple of people wrote Miles Teller. Who's, who's yeah, a, who's Jason a chick who plays Supergirl. She's pretty great in it too. I can't um, remember her name. Oh yeah. Who is, uh, she's just Supergirl now. So that's too bad. Cause she was in a handful of movies during that time where you're like, wow, you're going to be something special. Not that Supergirl is not special, but, um, you know. yeah, yeah. It is, um, uh, 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 she's and, great in it. Uh, yeah. Melissa, Melissa Benoist. Melissa Benoist. Right. And, and, uh, doesn't Kevin Pollack play his dad? Paul Reiser. Paul Reiser does. Sorry, I get those yeah. guys mixed up a little bit. They're similar. Yeah. Paul, Paul Reiser's Reiser, yeah. really good in it Paul too. Reiser, it's, yeah, it's it's yeah. It it was one of those things where it's like, oh yeah, Paul Reiser. He is capable. You know, when when he's asked to, when he's asked to do some work, he can he can do it. And when he's asked to yeah. And shout out to the atmosphere on the set and the way that because everybody else in the film virtually is nobody you know, and yet nothing in the movie happens. Not much anyway, one-on-one. It's all happening in a crowd with an audience, mm-hmm. with people who are sitting there all day in the emotional moment with a lot of these other musicians who have these bit roles who have to nail it or you start mm-hmm. to take the power away if you're not right there when you have to be, when they cut to you or when you say in your, one of your two lines. You, you've got to rise to the level of all that. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's JK's show. There's I don't think there's any question, but Teller who gets teased a little bit for this or that it's it, without him. It, I don't. Yeah. He, cause he doesn't just have to be all that stuff. That's really, really hard to do as an actor. He also has to be something approaching a believable world-class percussionist, which he also is in the movie. Yeah. So miles goes there, you know, if you're going to ask him to play a boxer, he's going to show up knowing something about boxing and really killing it. Sure. You know, even if the story is not that great here, you've got this, perfect cocktail of fantastic performances, great writing, perfect direction and kind of one of a kind tale that, that despite it being uh, torturous to, uh, to me, I still, once a year, I'm still like whiplash. Yeah. Nice. Let's wow. do it. And I, and I, I <laughs> it's power really doesn't diminish on repeated watchings. Mm-hmm. I have to say. Well, very cool. All right. Well, folks, that is going to do it for us, uh, I, I think. I think that's as good a place to leave it as any. Um, Can't like follow said, Whiplash, that's true. Yeah. Um, I uh, Once again, we have a, I, I think we have a, a super fun show ready for you next week. 
um, with uh, talking about some of the cinema of Australia. Um, and uh, yeah, and we look forward to bringing that to you next week. Uh, and um, don't worry, so, it's a bunch of old stuff. Yeah, we uh, and we thank no you new for, stuff. Uh, it's all late seventies and early eighties when we were ten years old. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah. So we thank you for joining us this week for this fun little uh, excursion, and um, yeah, and we will see you all next week for on the movie show with Joel and Ryan. Love thank you guys. You Thanks for tuning in. Go see in the bedroom and little children and Whiplash and Twelve Years a Slave if you haven't. My goodness, see it. Thank you for listening to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan. Remember, all views and opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the speaker and do not represent those people, institutions, or organizations that the speaker may or may not be associated with, unless explicitly stated. None of these views and opinions were intended to malign or deceive. And now, here's the producers, circa 1982, to play us out. See the last blockbuster too, because Joel told you to. <laughs>